So Money Episode 749, Ask Farnoosh with special co-host Vera Gibbons. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to the show, Vera. It's so great to hear your voice again. I know you were on back, oh gosh, a year and, oh gosh, maybe two years ago. Wow. Yes, I had just started nonpoliticalnews.com and I was just getting it going and A lot has happened since then, Farnish. I know. So let me just catch listeners up. So Vera Gibbons, everybody, as you know or may not know, uh, a dear friend of mine for over 10 years, and Vera is a financial, a seasoned financial expert. She's been uh, working in the personal finance space for many years as a journalist, as an expert, as a correspondent, contributor to places like CBS and MSNBC and the Today Show and everywhere in between. She's also brilliant. She has started recently an, an entrepreneurial venture called nonpoliticalnews.com. And this is actually what she and I focused on when she was on So Money. And I'm going to get that episode number for us soon so everybody can go back and listen to that. Tell us a little bit about Nonpolitical News, Vera. Uh, just catch us up. I know two years ago you launched this as a, an expression, as a way to give people a daily dose of commentary analysis news that was nothing to do with the politics of the day, which, as we know, is consuming. It's all consuming. It's all consuming, yes. So I started this a couple of years ago in part because it was getting difficult to actually get on air, to do the Today Show, to go on CBS, to go on MSNBC unless you had a political slant. And I was thinking, isn't there something else we could be talking about? What about mortgage rates? What about the auto recall? What about our new something or other that has to do with consumer? Like there were so many different personal finance slash consumer issues that were not getting any kind of mainstream media attention because it was all politics 24 seven. So I got frustrated with that. And I was also frustrated with the fact that I was going out and people at cocktail parties were right away talking about politics. And that's not a good thing to be talking about at a a cocktail party. So I was just thinking, gosh, there are other things we should be talking about. We all need to get along. I (laughs) need to do something else. And I had done very informally posting non-political news on my Facebook account. And people kept saying, you're a genius. You should start this. You should start that. And... That's where it started. And then it officially launched in October of 2016, actually, in the throes of the presidential race. I just wanted to give people news that was not politics. I curate the content in consumer personal finance, health and wellness, fashion, beauty, and fitness and diet. But I also wanted to provide them a diversion from the politics because I couldn't escape it. I was coming home from work and I was having to watch the Food Network, diners, drive-in, and dives because... (laughs) couldn't find anything I wanted to watch that wasn't jamming political content down my throat. So hence nonpoliticalnews.com. Wow. And 
And so I just found out the episode number that you were on. It was episode 546. So go back, everyone, and listen to that. You can learn more about the launch to nonpolitical news. So I'm excited to hear what has been happening since, because I understand when we talked at the time when you had just started it, there was no monetization plan. It was really just a wonderful idea and people were interested. So talk about the growth. What have you learned? Have you pivoted? We have grown, we have pivoted, I have learned. There have been a lot of learning curves. Uh, legal costs have been kind of high. Marketing costs have been kind of high. Well, what, have, have there been surprise legal costs? Have people been yes. Yes. Cease, and, was, cease and desisting you? Uh, there was a surprise cease and desist that we had to do on somebody else. Um, and that came as an unexpected legal cost, but I had no other option but to burn that one out. <laughs> you know, like... So these are the types, types of unexpected expenses that you're up against when you start your own company. I mean, I was paying the standard legal fees for various uh, issues I had along the way or concerns I had along the way just for consultations. But things like that can get expensive very quickly. So I've learned about the unexpected costs. I've learned about what it takes to actually make this work. I probably could still use some more marketing for non-political news. It, for people who don't know or they're just tuning in, it's a daily newsletter that goes out Monday through Thursday at 7 a.m. And the content is curated in those various categories. And then on Friday, I run guest posts. And it's just me doing it. It's 24-7. Our subscriber base is growing. We've got both sides of the political aisle. People really seem to like it. My open rate is very high. So that's all fine and good. Things are going along at a nice pace. I don't have any outside funding. I don't have any outside financing at the moment. I think the best thing for me to do at this juncture is to continue bootstrapping. So I sold my apartment, a crazy entrepreneurial story in October of last year, actually. So I could downsize and pocket some of that money and put it into non-political news where I need it. Wow. You love this business more than your house. I do. I I love this. I'm hooked. I'm I'm, I'm addicted to non-political news. I'm obsessed. But I think in order for me to make this work, for any entrepreneur to make it work, you have to be obsessed. You have to be a little obsessive, compulsive, believe in your product or your service. And then of course, you've got to be willing to actually do, make sure that there's a market for this, which there is, and then be able to do the work to actually make it, make it happen. I mean, you had to run with that story, Vera, as a, as as someone with also like a news sense, like a sense of things. Like, I feel like that's more interesting of a story than like, so-and-so raised a hundred thousand dollars through a seed funding or round a to launch their business. You are downsizing my life to be able to upsize my career. That was the, it was, it went off like a light in my head. I thought, how am I going to, how am I going to get this thing off the ground? I mean, there are all sorts of startup costs. This is why people don't probably become entrepreneurs because it's one thing to have an idea. It's another thing to actually put it in motion just from designing a website to making sure your email goes out on time there. Initially there were some delivery issues Um, there's a lot of different moving parts and people were telling me, Oh, you should do a podcast. You should get videos. You should do this. You need a marketing. Everything they were telling me was cost costly. So I really had to figure out what is necessary here and now, and what must I do right away? So the legal cease and desist, that was something that had to be taken care of right away. We did have an email issue delivery problem that had to be taken care of right away. But the other costs, I mean, it's sort of like you just bide your time. What, what do I need to do right now today to maximize my product or service? Like, I can't be spending, spending, spending when I don't have any 
this is not an income generating business as of yet. It will be at some point, but for now I'm just putting money into it and growing my base and having some fun with it too. Yanny or Laurel? Was that something that you guys covered? Because uh, <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of when you said non-political news. That's so funny. We did have something about that. In the, I can't believe that that whole thing went viral. I mean, that was just crazy. But so we cover everything from the silly, frivolous things to, like I mentioned, uh, an auto recall or like, uh, you know, a food recall or some new beauty product that everybody must have or the latest diet that celebrities are on, like the military diet, I guess, which promises you're going to lose like 10 pounds in like a week. So we, we, we cover it all and it's curated content. So it's a very quick read. It's actionable. I like to say it's, it's news you can use. It's fodder for conversation, not animosity. And uh, it's, it is resonating. People do like it. My market is primarily women. We're skewed that way. So I don't have a lot of sports or technology or any of that type of thing in the newsletter. Uh, but my market's people like people like me, people who want to look good, feel good, people who want news that is other than politics, and they are looking for a diversion from the political bombardment. And the market is growing. The market is there. People are just fed up with the whole political landscape. I would say you might want to do some sports and technology because there's a growing number of women who are watching sports. I think that the last I saw was like, it was like 50, 50, uh, women. That's why there are like t-shirt companies and is it, uh, Alyssa Milano, right? She has that athletic wear company that's just for women's sizes because she couldn't find a Jersey that fit her. Mm hmm. And um, I actually just had another guest on the show uh, who is a Star Wars voice actor, Star Wars cartoon voice actor. And mm. she started a company that sells merchandise to Star Wars, female Star Wars and sci-fi fans. Her name is Ashley, Ashley Eckstein. Wow. You get the best guest. Oh, my God. Only to say that so – just saying this because I, I I would encourage you to expand your, your mm -hmm. verticals. I think women are everywhere. And we sometimes think like, oh, it's technology. She, she's going to be more interested in beauty or health or news. But I think um, there's there's way more content out there that you can deliver. Yes, yes. Just, now, just giving I, you more work. That's all. Yeah, that's more all. work. Yeah, I'm like, well, if I have a staff at some point, I would <laughs> like to include some of that. I mean, there's. I, I'm thinking at some point I could merge health and wellness with fitness and diet because that's that's get that can get a little soft and boring after a while. Whereas the technology and the sports can be a little more interesting. And there's so much going on in the tech space that I'm I'm not covering, but we'll take your consideration into uh, we'll take it into consideration. Definitely. Also happy to have you on the show because we have a lot of listener questions and uh, would love for you to put your financial expert hat on now, Avera, and let's help some people out, shall we? Sounds good. My hat is on. Okay. All right. Genesis writes into the site and she says, how can my husband and, how can my husband and I plan for our financial future when helping my mom, which should have been temporary after her divorce? And now it's looking temp now it's looking permanent. So it uh, sounds like they got a little bit of a curveball, uh, Genesis and her husband in their financial lives. And they're, I don't know if they have kids, but maybe they're now in the sandwich generation taking care of a parent while maybe having their own family to provide for. So uh, I guess this is why we always say have that emergency savings, right? Or have money in the bank that's not for just paying the bills, but for these unexpected life occurrences. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. That's exactly right, Parnoosh. I mean, a lot of people find themselves in pickles like this where they haven't saved or they don't have that emergency fund. And then they, they're in a situation where 
what are we going to do now? I mean, my advice for, for Genesis in this particular type of situation would be doing sort of what I did, which is take a look around and see how you can somehow downsize your life or your expenses. Are you living in a big house? Could you potentially downsize there? Could you potentially sell some of your larger assets to get some funds into the household? I sympathize with her because we do have a lot of these unexpected expenses that hit us left and right, whether that's uh, a visit to the emergency room, whether that is an unexpected divorce, whether that is this type of situation where her mom is actually probably going to be a permanent resident in her house. I mean, that puts a lot of stress on the marriage too. So she doesn't say that her mom is ill or disabled. It sounds like maybe she just isn't financially capable because she got divorced and perhaps didn't have income or savings. Uh, no mention of kind of her mom's medical state. So I do wonder if there is something that her mom could work towards, you know, in terms of getting her own place, finding a part-time job. Uh, this again is, um, it's a hypothesis. I don't know other, more than what we just, uh, we just share with listeners. So I don't, I hope it's not permanent. It doesn't, if it doesn't have to be permanent, look for strategies to like work towards a goal. It doesn't have to be in six months or six days, but like in the next year, this time next year, where would we all like to be? And involve your mom in that conversation as opposed to like us versus her. Um, That's That's a good point. They should all sit down together and have that coffee talk table and work out some sort of plan together that's going to work for all of them. Obviously, you, it's your mom, so you, you've got to be, you know, empathetic to her needs. Yes. Husband, too. But you make a good point about she doesn't say anything about her, her mom being ill or sick or medically disabled and unable to potentially go out and get some work or something until she gets back on her feet, in which case um, – that would be helpful. That would be helpful because those medical expenses can derail anybody's anybody's best laid plans. But hopefully she doesn't have those on top of that. Hopefully it's just kind of looking like, well, the mom potentially is going to live with him for a while. Hopefully it's not permanent. Uh, if she needs to actually help her with her finances, I, like I said, I would suggest maybe looking at the big ticket items and seeing how, how potentially to, to downsize. And also, how can mom help? You know, is mom able to, if you have children, uh, help out with childcare? Can she help with uh, running errands or helping with yard work? I don't know. Like, I'm not saying like put your mom to work and make her earn her keep, but you know what I mean? Like if she's a part of your family now and and she, I'm sure, wants to feel engaged and involved and like she's contributing and she's not just, sit, you know, sitting in bed all day long, it's probably good for her mentally to have some activities to do, but also it could be a way for you all to, if you are going to downsize, like could y'all like throw a yard sale and have your mom run the run the cashier (laughs) there's a lot of ways that the family can get involved that's funny you're saying put the mom to work and I'm thinking I'm I'm, I'm sort of thinking like maybe because I help my mom out quite a bit but not in this in this regard but I I think it's great thing the mom can help out and I'm looking at it from a totally different perspective saying like you all need to work out a plan it's going to work for everybody the husband the wife the mom Maybe we'll look at a long-term plan to get her out of the house in it's six months. It's just a suggestion. It's okay. just a suggestion. Okay. It's by no means the best way that I'm suggesting that she handle this. But I think really my point is, is that from what I'm, the, the, what I sense from the question is that there's this divide in the house. It's her husband and Genesis versus mom, you know, and mom is doing this to us. 
And and I feel like maybe we need to think about, well, it's what's really happening here. You know, like, does anyone to cut had a conversation about this? Has there been a plan? Have there been attempts to make changes? Um, and I, in every interview that I've had, Vera, where somebody has thrived through a big life change, it doesn't come easily. The, the thriving is not overnight and it does usually require a big shift. So I think you're right about somehow downsizing or having a conversation with mom about eventually, gradually, moving her out and having her be more self-sufficient. But Jenna says, please keep us posted and my best wishes to your family, to your mom, and really appreciate that you reached out to us. Teresa has a question about uh, what to do with a little bit of extra cash every month. So she just bought a house and congrats to her. She actually managed to keep the housing payment to $150 below the original budget, which is great. So now she's wondering, should the rest of that money, this $150, go towards the premium payments on the mortgage or somewhere else? And again, here we don't know if she's got a retirement account, if she has rainy day savings, if she's got enough insurances in place. So I don't know about you, Vera, but I feel like that could be where she could put the money and that would be helpful to pay off the mortgage faster, but... Not the priority if you've got other things that need attention, right? Like Yes, yes. That that was my thought exactly with this particular question too. It's nice to be 150 under budget because when does that happen? You actually have a little <laughs> bit of you actually have a little bit of money in your pocket. How nice. So I think making the extra mortgage payment or making just making extra payments every now and then even could be helpful. Um, but again, like, I don't know her overall situation. Does she have credit card debt? Does she have other expenses that she that would take priority? I think making that extra payment is an option, is an option and it's a solid option. Yes. And do make it towards that premium, uh, the principal rather, because, uh, that's a, a better way to chop down the balance as opposed to, uh, the premium plus interest and a combination of the two. But, uh, congrats again. I know being a homeowner, you're under, budget today, but you might be over budget next month because there's a leak or, you know, your toilets stopped running or something. As you know, Vera. Uh-huh. Yes. Being a homeowner is wonderful, but there are a lot of unexpected expenses, which is why some people prefer actually to rent. But I think it's a wonderful thing to be a homeowner. It's great. It's a great feeling of liberation. You feel like this is the American dream in many cases. I mean, I know people are, are saying it's not the American dream anymore, but I would argue it still is the American dream. It's an adult thing to do. It's nice to be a homeowner. You have that equity, you know, it might provide a nice return over a number of years. Um, that's great. And she probably got a good mortgage rate because mortgage rates are still nice and low. Yes. The Federal Reserve just said, uh, so I know, well, this isn't political. We can talk about this. It's uh, just <laughs> yeah, not the Federal Reserve. There was a news headline today that they are going to be more aggressive about raising interest rates, which we kind of knew, but now it's actually in print. Yeah, we're getting a couple it's getting more. Real. Yeah, we're getting a couple more. So if you've got an adjustable rate mortgage, you know, it's going up. So. Oh, who gets those? I mean, come on. Have we learned nothing? I know. People still do, though. People still because they're like gambling. It's like, well, I don't know how much are they really going to rise. Well, I'm not going to really own this house for seven years. I'll sell it before the interest rate. Yes. 
Yes. Adjust. How, many, how many of us actually do what we intend to do? <laughs> okay. uh, my my how my um my cleaning lady Millie, who's been um, with us for a oh, gosh like ten years, she's like part of the family. She always says, um, "People make plans, and God laughs." <laughs> yeah, and I'm not super religious, but you can substitute God for other things like people make plans, and you know the universe laughs, or the world laughs, or or you can make no plans and just end up, you know. <laughs> doing something wonderful. Like I thought I'd be a mom and a housewife and have three kids and you did. Yeah. And then I turned into like this TV person and then now I've got nonpolitical news. I'm like, really? I just wanted to just get married and have a bunch of kids. No life. Life is funny that way. That's great. Mm -hmm. That's well, I mean, you kind of do have kids. You have your business. That's a, that's that's a living, that's a living, breathing thing that always wakes you up in the middle of the night. Oh, yes. Yes. Lots of sleepless nights, just like a kid. <laughs> All right. George is getting married. Speaking of, <laughs> George, we, we fully support your decision to get married. He's getting married in six months and he has yet to talk about money with his fiance in terms of how to plan uh, and manage the finances in their relationship. And he says, I know that she and I make about the same amount of money, but I'm a, more of a spender. She's a better saver. So how can we create a financially strong foundation in our marriage? Well, first of all, George, congrats. And I'm uh, looking forward to later you telling me how, how the marriage is going. I'm sure that it's going to be going hummingly well because you are somebody who obviously wants to keep communication lines open. And a lot of people will arrive at the altar not even knowing how much their partner makes. This is not a joke. Or how much debt they have. I or mean, how much debt they have. Forget right. credit scores. I mean, you should know all of this stuff. You should know credit score. You should know credit history. You should know their debts. You should know their savings. You should know what's in their 401ks. You should know what's in their um, income, how much they make. And so that's, I think, where George should start. The two of them, he and his fiance, should swap numbers. Yes. Sit down and, and talk. It goes back to having those conversations. I think it is great that George, he says he's getting married in six months and he's getting ready to talk about his fiance in terms of how they're going to ma- plan and manage and I think that's wonderful. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you get into a marriage and then you discover this person is hiding purchases from you or they have got a gambling problem or they have $50,000 of credit card debt. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Bad, bad, bad. And you end up in divorce court. So I think it's wonderful that he's actually getting the wheels in motion here. He wants to talk to her. He wants to make this work. There is often a spender and a saver in a relationship. Now, sometimes people are attracted initially to that and then the whole thing blows up. But I think if you're having the regular communication, it can definitely work. I mean, people always suggest having the his, hers and ours accounts and having those regular talks and not keeping those purchases secret, being upfront, being honest. That's always the best policy. Yeah. Uh, George, I would love for you to ask me any follow-up questions. Maybe if you have this first meeting with your spouse or your, your bride-to-be and you, the both of you have questions, you know, this is actually what Tim and I did before we got uh, engaged and we were moving in together. So there was definitely some some immediate need to know our finances and be clear about each other's uh, liabilities and earnings. And at this point, we've been dating for a while. So uh, we had a pretty good sense of where each of us was financially. There was, had been no um, red flags on either uh, part, but it's still important to know 
the truth. And so we went and got margaritas, which is, I've written about this a lot. I've written, I wrote about it in When She Makes More. We went to our favorite tequila bar, got margaritas and brought, I brought post-it notes and pens or maybe it was index cards. And I was like, okay, line one, income, line two, savings, line three, your retirement, line four, credit history or credit score, line five, debts and so on and so on. And we knew what we were going to do. It wasn't like I surprised him. It was like our plan to do this, but we wanted to make it funny and fun. And more fun after the margarita. (laughs) The margaritas (laughs) definitely helped. We did it before we, we took like, we we took a few sips. We didn't like drink and then do this. You know, we, we, the margarita was the, was the, the celebration more or less to doing this. Um, so it was great. And it's something that we'll never forget. And I share this because it's something that can definitely create a more relaxing environment for a topic that can sometimes build a lot of anxiety or create unnecessary tension. But just know that this is uh, going to help you and that you're doing this before you're getting married is so fantastic. George. So thank you for your question and please keep in touch and happy wedding. And thank you for sharing your margarita story. Oh Barn- yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. <laughs> At this point, I'm a complete open book as people who have been following me for years, you know, right, yeah. for better or for worse. Okay. Laura, finally question here from Laura. She says, we have finally built up our savings to about $75,000. Wow. And that's more than enough for their emergency nest egg. She says, Now, we're wondering if we should use some of that savings to pay down outstanding debt. She has about $15,000 left in student loans. Her husband and I, her husband and Laura share a mortgage. And so, wondering what to do with it. She says, we're not going to be able to get rid of all the debts with our savings, but we could reduce our balances significantly, which would give us more peace of mind. So, I think that, you know, the $15,000 in student loans... Nah, not a bad time to say bye-bye to those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, at that, yeah. I was just going to say, like, that's not a, that's a good idea to say bye-bye to any of this debt. My only concern is that there's the good debt and the bad debt, and if she's getting a break on the, on the student loan debt and if she's getting a break on the mortgage. I mean, what about the credit card debt? That, that would be my top priority would be wiping that out if she has it, which most households do, but – Yes, I agree with you. If you have uh, $15,000 left in student loan debt and, you, it would make, or, and, you, and you're going to feel good paying that off, yeah, maybe. Yeah, this is a real emotional compass kind of question, right? Like, so there's, uh, I don't think that the mortgage is maybe the first debt to pay off because the interest rate might be the least, the smallest of all the debts. I'm not sure. Maybe we're talking federal student loans versus private. So maybe start with your most expensive debt and and knock down that balance to where you feel like you can now sleep at night and it's not going to create stress. Then reassess your rainy day savings. Do you still have enough to go around if you lose your job for six months or don't have a any source of income for six to nine months? And if the answer is yes, then from here, it's looking at other ways to use this money constructively. And what does constructively mean? One, I think that you're, you know, addressing the real uh, sort of like the technicals, like, okay, that student loan debt was a pretty high interest rate. So that's not a good thing. I'm going to address that by putting some money towards it. But in doing so, you're also giving yourself peace of mind. So look for those kinds of 
opportunities, right? Where you can pay off things where it's a good financial move, calculations add up, but also uh, it, it makes you feel like you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, it's an emotional decision. I, I'm with you on that one, Farnoosh, completely. Vera Gibbons, this is a wrap. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. It's been too long since we've chatted. I mean, you've made so many strides since we last spoke when you just launched Nonpolitical News. What is your what is your five year plan, Missy? My five year plan is to blow it out of the water, Farnish. Like, continue to build my subscriber base. I want to go to one hundred thousand. I want to go to two hundred thousand. I would like, ideally, to be the skim for the skim's parents. Like, my market is more like. 30s, 40s, 50s, and up. Theirs is more just millennials. And I like to appeal to their their moms. That's their awesome. Parents. Wait, you have 100,000 subscribers? No, no. That's what I'd like to get. Oh. I'd, like, I'd like to get that as soon as possible. Because I think once you get 100,000 and you get a little more recognition, if you will, um, I'm building it up. I mean, it's, it's, it's subscribers come in when they come in and I'll take them. But yeah. I, what I've just, what I've noticed is that you got, I build the subscriber base primarily from media appearances and radio segments. What's been the biggest needle mover for you for getting subscribers? I think it'll be next week when I do the today show. <gasps> yeah. Is it going, are they going to give you a little bit of time to talk about what non-political news is? I'm doing a quiz on non-political news. Yes. Amazing. Well, so it's not going to be a straight consumer personal finance segment. It's going to be just to sit down and five or six questions on the non-political news of the week. Oh my God, that's brilliant. That should be a weekly segment. <laughs> that should be. It should be. Yes. So we'll see how it goes. All right. Crossing okay. fingers for you. That's definitely a great franchise idea and it's a win-win for you and the Today Show if they can make that happen. So definitely. Um, Looking forward to seeing that segment. Thank you again, Vera. I really appreciate the feedback you gave our listeners. Thank you, listeners, for sending in your questions. And as always, if you want to reach me, you can do so at somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Farnoosh. Then if you're on Instagram, that's where I'm spending a lot of time on social these days. Send me a direct message. First, follow me, then send me a direct message in that order because I'm finding that people who aren't following me, who send me direct messages, it gets buried. And then I am really late to commenting and then I look like a jerk. Uh, so do me a favor, please, and not make me look like a jerk. Follow me and then direct message me. It'll be a faster way for me to see your questions, see your comment and respond, usually within 24 hours. Thanks to everybody. Have a great Friday and I hope your weekend is so money. Money.